Good morning, church. Man, so glad you guys are here. Uh, what an exciting time to worship our risen Savior together. We come together on the first day of the week to do that exact thing, but we do it every day of our life in gratefulness for what He has done for us. We serve a risen King, do we not, church? Amen to that. Thank you for being here today to celebrate Him. We want to say welcome to our guests that are here. Thanks for joining us, being a part of our time together. We certainly are glad that you're here. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about Crosspoint being that place you could call home to help us tell that story of hope that is Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways to use your gift sets right here in this place. In our town, in the metro, and around the world, we'd love for you to get plugged in with us to tell that message of Jesus Christ. It is a story that we're called to tell. This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and I hope you've got your Bibles with you. You'll turn with me there. Uh, all of our texts will be on the screen, of course, this morning. But if you do have your Bibles, open those up, and let's dig into the Word of God this morning to discover how we're called to live. Just like we've been doing over these last few weeks, digging into the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus Christ. What does it mean for us, and how are we called to live knowing that Jesus Christ absolutely came to this earth some 2,000 years ago, born humbly, laid in a manger, but yet is indeed a king. Uh, we're called to live out a life that tells that story. And today we're going to dig into chapter 2 of Luke and discover how we are called to live. You know, we've been talking about that story that happened some 2,000 years ago. We firmly believe that it did happen, but we've also been pointing to uh, the end of that story, the return of Jesus Christ, and we live in the in-between. We call it the already and the not yet. And that's where we find ourselves living. We've talked about that word advent and what that means. simply means coming or arrival. And we know that Jesus Christ did come to this earth, that he arrived into our story. It was God that put skin on and moved into our neighborhood and made things absolutely different for us. He totally changed the course of human history, and we are a blessed people because of that. We live out that story, but even in the moment, it's sometimes difficult to live as we wait, like Cale talked about. Uh, you may have a tree up at your home right now, and under that tree you've got maybe some gifts that have kids' names on them. Maybe you've got kids still at home. Maybe you've got grandkids that you're expecting. And my guess is if they've already seen those wrapped gifts with their name on it, they've already sat there under the tree mesmerized, wondering exactly what that gift is. They've been measuring, and while you're not looking, shaking. <laughs> they've been doing some things to try to figure out what that is. They know it is their gift. It, their name is on it, but they haven't unwrapped it yet. See, they're living right now in the already, but they're not yet. They've got the gift. It's their name, but they haven't unwrapped it yet. And maybe in your own life, you're experiencing some of that as well. Maybe in your own life, you've discovered the one, Mr. or Mrs. Wright, and the ring hasn't come yet, but you know the story is unfolding. It's the already and the not yet in your story. Maybe you've got a marriage that has been kind of down a rocky road, but yet you, you see some reconciliation happening. You see some communication going on and you see there's a movement in the right direction in that story. It's the not yet, but, but the already we, we, we see ourselves in that story. Maybe you've got a great friend that some, for some reason you parted ways. You didn't see eye to eye on something, but now there's some discussion going on. There's some communication. You want that relationship back. 
and you see it moving in the right direction, you see you have the, the already, but the not yet. It's not fully there yet. And you look around maybe this holiday season, and you see people holding doors and pausing to let another car in. You, you see people being kind and courteous to one another, speaking words that are affirmative. And you think, man, there is hope in the world. There's something going on here. Jesus is alive. And then like a couple of months ago, you turn on the television to see that 11 people are gunned down at a Pittsburgh synagogue. We know that God is active in the world. We have the already, but the not yet. And we live in the middle. Sometimes that is a difficult place to live in the middle between the already and the not yet. We long for the return of our king. We want him to come back for us. Church, we have a story to tell. And we have to tell that story to the world around us. And during this Christmas time, the, the Christmas story, there are some truths within that story, the birth of Jesus Christ. There are some truths that you and I can hang on to as we live that out and live in between the already and the not yet. There are some important truths that we're going to unpack from Luke chapter 2 today that mean the world to you and to me. Because we have a story to tell. And one of those stories is that Jesus was born a king. He came into this world humbly, but nonetheless a king. You look at Matthew chapter 2, the story of the wise men who are looking for that, that baby that was born. They find him some two years Later, And as they're looking for him, they discover a guy by the name of Herod. And they ask the question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? They acknowledge right away that he is a king. Jesus was born a king in church. We have a story to tell. We remember that he was born some 2,000 years ago. And when he was born, he changed the course of human history. He made everything new for you and for me. He walked into our lives and nothing has been the same since. We believed 2,000 years ago that he was born, but we know the end of the story hasn't occurred yet. He hasn't put an exclamation point on that story yet, and we await his return. The Christmas story reveals who God really is. His character and nature. And when you look closely at that Christmas story, you find God left everything so that you and I might have everything. He left it all behind because he loves you so very much. He is the greatest gift that you and I will ever get under any tree or otherwise. And our story this morning begins in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke writes, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quinarius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. 
And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, my guess is that most people in this room probably born in a hospital, a place where people could be taken care of. You could be taken care of. Your mom could be taken care of. They could give dad a glass of water. All of those good things that happen. But our Savior was not born in a hospital. He was not born in a posh area of town. He wasn't even born in a farmhouse like my father was actually born. No, he was born, most scholars believe, in a cave on the outskirts of town, a little town called Bethlehem. When you translate that Hebrew word Bethlehem into English, it means house of bread. It's interesting in Jesus' own ministry in his adulthood, he would say that he was indeed the bread of life, born in the house of bread. Jesus was born in this little town into poverty, and he was okay with that. He was okay with not having everything that maybe a king should have so that you and I could have everything that really mattered. Jesus was willing to be apart from heaven so he would never be apart from you. He gave everything up to have everything in your life as a part of him in his life. And living today, no matter what your story, no matter where you're from, no matter what you're doing in your life, no matter your struggle, our life should be easier to live because you and I realize that we have a king who loves us immensely. Church, we have a story to tell. And this world is desperate to hear that story. They need that message of hope and reconciliation, understanding about salvation and forgiveness that only comes from a, from a baby born in the manger, a king by the name of Jesus. And our story continues in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. But suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this son. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Luke begins his tale of the birth by announcing that Emperor Augustus is king. He is the one in power, but then Luke immediately moves to the idea that there's actually a new king in town. Someone who is a real king. He's come to claim his throne. He's the Messiah from the line of King David as prophesied. Luke wants us to know that the infant is the king of the world. There is no question the Son of God has now come to live among us. God with skin on who's moved into our neighborhood. And although he comes humbly, make no mistake... He is a king, and he loves you. The angel's words would speak great volumes to the people who read this letter in the first century, and it speaks to us today. As the angel's words resonate in verses 10 
and 11. They fly in the face of Emperor Caesar and all of Rome. You see, these words were the words used to describe Augustus on his birthday, which happened once a year like all of ours. And every year on Augustus' birthday, the empire would pay lots of different people to announce, we have good news. The emperor is alive and well. Things are going well. And the empire would invite all of the people everywhere to celebrate the birth of Augustus. All across the empire. You see, Romans called their emperor, their savior, and their lord. And Luke records what angels said to shepherds. Letting us know and the readers 2,000 years ago know that a real king has come to town. Someone that will change the course of human history. He's come, he's been born, the son of God And he will change everything for everyone. And church, you should know that our God watches everything in our life. Nothing happens within our own lives that that goes unnoticed for him. He understands where you are in your journey. He knows you by name. His son gave his life for you. He loves you that much. Your pain Your current struggle that you're dealing with does not go unnoticed by the king of kings. The idea that you have patience and you are waiting on his second return will never be in vain. You see, Jesus was born a king, but he also died a king. And it's kind of strange to talk about the death of Jesus Christ in a moment when we are celebrating his birth. His coming to our earth. But we can talk about his death because Jesus Christ did not stay in the grave. Death nor the grave could not hold him, could not contain him. He busted out that door and conquered everything, including death. See, dying usually means defeat. It usually means the end of the story, but not with Jesus Christ, not in his story. Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he rules everything. There are moments in our life when we get things that we don't deserve. There is no doubt. All of us are going to have at least one box under the tree. That when we open it this Christmas season, we're going to say, I didn't deserve this. You shouldn't have. Wow, I can't believe that you We'll have that moment of exchange. There is a a guy in the Dallas area every year, a wealthy man. And he doesn't want to be known, doesn't want anyone to know who he is. But he just walks around town, he watches people shopping, and then he kind of takes an inventory and looks at people as they shop and kind of realizes these folks are in real need, they need some help. And he'll walk up and give them a $100 bill. It's called Secret Santa. He's just helping them out. Now, those people did nothing to earn that money, nothing to earn that $100. They just simply received the gift. And if he's listening, I would receive it as well. I would do that. (laughs) But they did nothing to receive that gift. He freely gave. They were expecting one thing, and they ended up getting another 
They got what they desperately needed. And that is really what the Christmas story is all about, isn't it? Getting something that we desperately need but didn't deserve. A loving Savior who was willing to die for us to create a pathway to eternal salvation. I mean, 2,000 years ago, those lights appeared in the field to those shepherds as they watched their sheep. They were unsuspecting of the story that was about to unfold for them. 2,000 years ago, a group of people walked around in fear of God, not, not understanding that right in front of them was unfolding the love story of God for them, the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want us to realize and know that God is pulling for you. He loves you. He sent his son for you. And there's no amount of anything you could do in your life that would make him love you any less. What a beautiful gift that we have, church. What a story that we have to tell. What a joyful moment for us to reflect on a king who loves us just that much. And that's why Jesus came. But when he came, most people didn't recognize him for who he was. You see, they wanted him to wear a certain crown. And he decided not to do that. He chose to humble himself. He could have easily put on that crown and made it very aware to the world around him that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of God. But instead, he chose a different crown for you and for me. And Jesus had the chance to talk about his kingship with a guy by the name of Pilate. He stood toe-to-toe and said nothing. Pilate rises out of his judgment chair, walks right up to Jesus, standing toe-to-toe, looking him in the eye. And he says, you want to stay quiet in front of me? Don't you know that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus quietly answers, you would not have that authority over me would it not given you by my heavenly Father. What Jesus wants Pilate and us to know, Pilate, you're not taking my life. I'm giving my life for my creation. I love you that much. I want to be a part of your life. I want to do whatever it takes to have that relationship with you. It started out 2,000 years ago in a field with shepherds announcing the kingship and the birth of Jesus. And as a toddler, when the wise men approached and called him king and his life ended with Pilate calling him king as well. So they nailed him to the cross and the placard above his head says king of the Jews. I saw a Christmas card a couple of weeks ago. It was very appropriate. It reads like this. If humans' greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If it was pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. If we had needed money, he would have sent a financier. But God knew our greatest need was forgiveness and grace. So he sent a savior. Praise God for his gift. Church, we have a story to tell. We are a blessed people. Jesus was absolutely born a king. Jesus died a king. But church, he's coming back as a king as well. And we long for that day. Jesus has fulfilled every prophecy and every promise that he ever made in text, 
in Scripture. And He's coming back. He made that promise to gather His bride. That's you and me. To take us home to be with Him. And we await that far off event. And we live in the middle of the already and the not yet patiently waiting for that story to play out. I don't know if you're aware, there is a placard in the dome uh, in our capital in Washington, D.C. And it says this, one God, one law, one element, and one far off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. The Christmas story has purpose. It reminds us of the greatest gift that you and I have. And Jesus brings us closer and closer to him in that far off event with the Christmas story, with his birth, his death, his resurrection. And when we claim him as our king, our Lord, our savior, we too have the promise of that eternal life. You see, the Christmas story reminds us ultimately, church, that God is in control. Not this world, not the dark forces of this world, Not your opinion or mine, but God is in control. So we must be ready to tell that story of salvation, that story of hope that is Jesus Christ. And that birth sets the stage for the return of the king. I mean, shepherds came that first night when they were called by angels to worship the king as he laid in the hay. The wise men showed up about two years later to worship the toddler who was the king. We come this morning to gather together as God's people to worship the king. And when Jesus Christ returns, promises made that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the king of all kings. And he is our risen savior. I mean, what good does it do us to acknowledge that the king was born in Bethlehem and yet not born in our hearts. And we're called to live each and every day in such a way that people realize and know that we serve a risen king. And we believe the story. You see, what I know about Jesus is that he's the king of loneliness. He will never leave you alone. He's the king of arrogance. He will lift up the humble, but he opposes the proud. He's the king over depression, and he'll walk with you in those dark moments of your life. He's the king of cancer, and he'll redeem the illness that you're dealing with and turn it into a story for good. He's the king of injustice. He hears the cries of the the down and the afflicted. He's the king of the lost, and he waits for you. He wants a deep relationship with you. And so as we celebrate this season of Advent, as we look at the story of the coming Savior, we also look forward to his return. And we live in the in-between. We pray his kingdom come in our hearts and our lives right now. And this world desperately needs to hear that story of hope That is Jesus Christ. So this morning as we wrap up our time together, I want to encourage you to think about how are you telling that story? How is that story reborn in your heart? How are you moving in your life to let others know that Jesus Christ is king of your life? That's how we're called 
to live. And so the challenge this morning is that you and I would think of new and brilliant and beautiful ways to retell the story of his birth and that he's coming back, that we would take time with our own kids, our grandkids, our family and friends to share that message of hope that is Jesus Christ. Because, church, he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. And nothing will ever change that. Praise God for his precious gift. Church, we have a story to tell. As we sing this next song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And my guess is that maybe some folks in here right now are dealing with something in their life that's, that's kind of bringing you down. It's kind of distracting you, taking the focus off the reason for the season, and that's Jesus Christ. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to go find one of our shepherd couples and let them pray for you and over you. Let them remind you that Jesus is with you right now. His Holy Spirit lives within you. This church walks with you. You are not alone. My hope is that that the Spirit will move you this holiday season. That you'll remember why we celebrate like we do today. It is the birth of a Savior who is the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Let's stand and praise his name together.